Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Imagine this. You're stranded on an island forever. But don't freak out because you get to bring one dish with you. Your desert island dish. What is it? Every week your hosts, Paul and Tegan, that's us. Hello. Hello. We'll ask this question. They'll chat with and torment a literal raft of guests on the island who'll dish up stories, gossip and culinary secrets. But they all have one big thing in common. They bloody love food. Welcome to Dish Island. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dish Island. I'm Paul Verhoeven. I'm a very, very, very excited Tegan Higginbotham. Why? Because... No, why are you Tegan Higginbotham? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited because today's special guest is... You know how we always say it's somebody that I really loved when I was younger? Yeah. Well, it's the truth. This was another person that I really, really loved when I was younger. So much so yeah. that I used to buy this magazine. It was called Smash Hits. Oh, no. And in one of them, uh, they gave us a free orange blow-up photo frame. Whenever we went through that phase where everything had to be blown up, like chairs and... Yeah, I remember that phase. I also have a, had a lava lamp around that phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the phase. Well, I had this orange smash hits photo frame. Oh, no. And in that photo frame was a picture of today's guest, which I cherished for a very, very long time. But I just want to add one other little fact about my youth before we bring on today's special guest. Mm-hmm. Paul, do you remember what the very first CD that was ever bought for you was? <sighs> the very first CD that was ever given to me it was a Christmas present I got given... Hit Machine 26, which featured 20 huge hits from artists including Lou Baker, Britney Spears, Tom Jones and the Cardigans, Tina Cousins, Westlife, Yes Please, Bewitched, the E is a star in that, just in case anybody wanted to know. I know, please, come on, I'm a witch head from way back. But it also featured a hit from Bachelor Girl. Ah. And Paul... I will allow you to use that as a wonderful segue to introduce today's guest. That's right. Our guest today is vocalist and one half of the iconic ARIA-winning Aussie group Bachelor Girl, who incidentally have sold more than half a million albums and singles, and their song Buses and Trains is the most played Australian composition on Australian radio in the last 20 years. And was top billing on Hit Machine 26. Yeah, let's not forget that important accomplishment. In 2011... (laughs) In 2011, Tanya moved to Sweden and became a hit songwriter for groups like The Veronicas, Tina Arena, Jessica Mowboy, and just before lockdown, she returned to Melbourne, which is a shame because we could have just kidnapped her in Sweden and saved her the airfares. Please give it up for Tanya Doko. No, you guys are married. That's a is that a is that a <laughs> secret or was that should I know no. should I know that? No, it's no, it's it's a you know we let a few people know, but it's disgusting. You're right. It's... <laughs> Sickening. No, yeah. hang on. I do remember when I listened to your great interview with Darren, which is when I got hooked on you guys, that you are married. I do remember you sort of talking about it or maybe it was understood in the interview. Yeah. Well, I think it's – I'd hope it's understood because, once again, we're in our blanket fort and Paul is 
only partially dressed because he gets so hot in here. <laughs> if this was not a marriage, this would be sexual harassment in the workplace. You know, Paul. When, you know when you're on a bus, uh, Tanya, yeah. and there's just that one. It's an empty bus, and there's that one dude who, that one guy who gets on, and he walks straight and sits directly next to you. Oh. I look like that guy right now. Get out! <laughs> I reckon. I reckon you you couldn't. Well, you're not going through menopause, are you, Paul? Uh maybe like sympathy. <laughs> Is anyone around me having? If anyone around me's going through it, I think my body's. Locked in with that. <laughs> well, that'd be us for the virtual in the, on the internet. You know, you're, you're, I'm giving oh. you menopausal vibes and flushes. But no, no, we're talking about heat. So we're talking about heat, and I can't help but go into menopausal discussions. Well, speaking of, nah, this is a terrible segue. No, I was going to say, there's I, a link. What, what what link were you going to go? I was going to say, speaking of heat, you've been in the exact opposite for the past, you know, ten years, which is an absolute heaven for someone who runs as hot as me. I mean, like as. <laughs> As an Australian, did you kind of struggle with the climate or are you like me and you just adore the cold? It's an interesting question, Paul. I I think if you don't make things about the weather, then you just mm. you just press through. I mean, I was there for the music. I was there for the songwriting hub. So I was prepared to go through the pain. In fact, I would say the weather, it was the right kind of winter, like dry and not windy. It's just that it was dark and long. That's the only issue I have with the Swedish cold. It's not the the extent of the cold. It's the darkness and the and the, the it's the type of winter you want to be in. I mean, you don't. If you had London, London for instance, that's kind of wet and and rainy and and grey. But it's it's not a dull winter. I know. Look, Swedes are just going to be throwing tomatoes at me at the moment because they hate it. You know, they hate it. But and in fact. As an Aussie, they'd always say, why are you even here? <laughs> well, look, as somebody who has lived most of their life in Melbourne, mm. I don't know how to not make it. <laughs> my, my whole life is structured and talking about coffee yeah. and weather. Yeah. But I, I am so impressed that you went there. And as you said, while you're over there, you just, I mean, did your music <clears throat> uh, change when you're over there or did you go to Sweden because you knew that this was the music that you were being drawn to? Oh, right, like how, oh. you know, crime dramas get a kind of Scandi-noir feel, like things over there have a very specific flavour. Is it affected by the climate or the culture? Or like- oh, absolutely. All, yes to all of the above because when you have a situation where you, you're in basements for six months of the year, um, <laughs> Sounds like a hostage situation. <laughs> it's like a war zone. No, but in all seriousness, they are quite productive that way. I mean, mind you, a lot of the people I was working with were parents, unless they were youngsters. But, you know, they do the nine to five thing. You don't, I very rarely did late night sessions, and that was very conducive to me, you know, having my child and husband. It was, you know, it was all very sort of mm. decent and, and, and um, you know, like a day job. But I think there's a lot to be said for songwriting as a job that we'd get there at nine and finish at five and there was a lot of discipline around, okay, blank canvas, start of the day, who are we writing for, what's the pitch? And by the end of the day, we'd have a song. And that was so cathartic because I would, I'd been an artist all my life and a lot of the time that's fantastic but... You're promoting yourself, talking about yourself, social mediaing, and it's not always creative, actually. It's, it's, it's the business of being an artist, whereas when you're a songwriter, you could do rock one day, soul, pop, electro, indie, and that's your week. 
and then K-pop. I'm fascinated by this. I've been dying to talk to you because oh. as somebody who's creative, I really wanted to ask you about that feeling about creating content for somebody else. Mm. And then often, you know, when you're writing this music, it's very much you don't you don't you don't get the credit. It goes to, of course, the artist who sings mm. it puts it out there at least that's been my interpretation feel free to correct me oh you're right i hadn't thought about it in this sense that actually mm. there are elements of it that are better you just get to spend the day creating you don't have to worry about it from there that's such a cool insight in many ways i've got to be honest it's better <laughs> wow. i mean it <laughs> because look no you know why too i think if I'd never been an artist, it would have been frustrating because I would have been, mm. look, just give me the microphone already. I want to sing this song. I want to be out there. Yeah. But because I'd done that, this was such a welcome change um, to the chase and the – I was just saying to a girlfriend before, you know, I have to have social media breaks because, yeah, yeah, we, we have to play that game and it can be really fun. But, oh, my God, what a time waster too. You just endless scrolling yeah. and looking at people's lives, and we know that it's a bit of an epidemic. But, but when you're a songwriter uh, for hire, you really are about the hooks and is this going to work? I mean, it can be a bit machine-like because you're not invested, and that's when I had to get off the train. That's when I actually moved back to Australia and said, "Okay, that's it. I'm going to be a solo artist again." But I needed ten years off from being. Um, from being all about me I was over myself because the for me as a creative as well I really struggle with if someone's not telling me how well I've done I fall <laughs> apart like I, I, I just crumble. that is so, so adorable <laughs> and true it's not I don't know I don't think it's healthy but for you to be back kind of behind the scenes is this sort of like a um, a songwriter's circle of people who write songs who at least give kind of praise within that circle. Oh, yeah. You know how like there's chefs who are really like you know publicly adored, but what they actually want is for fellow <laughs> esteemed chefs to give yes. them that nod. Mm. Do you get those people oh, in the songwriting oh, industry? Yes. It is. Look, I would look. It's not as so overtly competitive. I mean, not competitive isn't is such a negative word in a sense, but I, I would say that. You know, if you have a successful cut release, you absolutely have to brag about it. Braggingrights.com, you know, it's all about what you, you know, that the song is really streamed squillion times and, you know, being played here, streamed there. But that's a part of your profile that you must keep up. I mean, that's just smart business because if you've had a hit yeah. somewhere over here in this country, then all of a sudden people want to write with you you know, well-regarded writers want to work with you on said projects. So that's important. I don't think that ever goes away. We all want to be validated. and But I think I just needed some respite from the machine of all the things of why I didn't really get into music, and that is, you know, the shopping and looking the part. I like looking great, but I want someone else to go and get that stuff for me and I'll just put it on and, and, and just put yeah. the face on me and do my hair. Thank you. Feel great. I'm not interested in doing makeup tutorials and and going shopping. I've got a stylist. It's, I'm very lucky, I'll, you know, and they'll go and select the clothes and I'll pay them to go and find them and then they go and take them back. So I pay them to find the clothes. I don't want to be running around Chadson's shopping centre and buying the clothes. No, I want to make music. I want to yeah. be a great mum. I want to talk to people like you guys, you know, actually have 
<laughs> real conversations. Uh, but look, I mean, all power to you if you want to do makeup tutorials, if that's your passion. But make sure it's your passion, not just because you're better, because you've got to, like, increase your followers, okay? There's got to be integrity in in the art, I believe. Well, speaking of your lyrics, years ago you famously wrote, there's nothing that I have right now that brings me any joy. And now as we trap <laughs> you on our food island, which we oh haven't even discussed yet, we've got to discuss that, you know, from Sweden, you're now on yes. this island. I'm hoping that you have found something that brings you joy and I'm hoping that one of those things is food. It's just so fundamental, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, Tegan. I I want to go, you know, I have Italian background just to kind of confuse all the nationalities even more. And I have, <laughs> and I have Albanian, an Albanian father. So, um, but um, my, my Italian roots mean that I'm all about great produce, not complicated recipes. I mean, I, you know, I don't mind a challenge, but like the most sort of peasant food can be, you know, like my mum will, will laugh that. Um, rocket salad is so trendy now and you'll pay, you know, $18 for some grass in a plate with some parmesan cheese. That was like laughed upon when she moved to Australia in, you know, whatever, well, the 50s. But um, And now these foods are trendy, you know, they're cosmopolitan. So I'm not just on the cosmopolitan train. I just, my, my sort of go-to when I'm, when I want some comfort food but I know it's going to be delicious is, literally pasta dura like hard but you know fresh bread and you dip it in beautiful olive oil like you so you put the olive oil on a plate and dip it in like olive oil and then you squeeze a beautiful fresh tomato on onto it so you get all the tomato juice sort of absorbed by the oil then a little bit of basil and a little and a few chili flakes and that's you know, I mean, it's like a bruschetta, but it's but it's even less mm. complicated. I mean, you can do it in like eight seconds. So, what do you do with the rest of the tomato? You just like piff it into the air and cackle? Like, that's yeah, a good question. I'm not really a fan of the rest of the tomato, but I suppose you could you could <laughs> throw it in the oven and do something with it. Fill it with some couscous or something. I don't know. I'll put it in my son's sandwich, and he probably won't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I ruined this tomato for you. But, there you go. <laughs> you know, but that's the when you ask me to bring it, bring something. I'd always. Just, yeah, I just go, that's my go-to. It's a bit like just watching Friends during the lockdowns. You know, you just, oh, no, it's just, oh, my God, here we go. I'm going to watch this. But it's just it's just a comfort that I can't I can't deny. And and also pistachio ice cream, that's, which my husband makes, by the way. That's my other oh. ugh, weakness. But, yeah, that's, an, that's, the, that's on the sweet side. Let's not confuse things. Look, I love that you've, um, first of all, I've got to clarify, is this... Your desert is this dish? your desert oh. island dish? Is this the one dish that you would eat for the rest of time? It can be if you want it to be. No, you know what would be ice cream then? Maybe not pistachio because that's a bit much all the time. I think vanilla, like keeping it simple. I know that's super strange. Like vanilla ice cream is just so vanilla, but I'm such a sucker for vanilla ice cream. I can't even tell you. Like people go out for smoke. It, I need it, to eat ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is it is not weird at all. In fact, you know, this is all coming beautifully full circle. Since our episode where we yes. chatted with Darren, um, uh, the episode that you yes. listened to, yes. which is so lovely, we did go on an ice cream journey and I have now gotten to the point where the French vanilla ice cream that I can make oh, for myself yeah. 
it is one of the most satisfying yeah. things that yeah. I've ever tasted. It's- All we do is groan. <laughs> we just sit there going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. We have the, cause it's, okay, so while it's churning, there's like different stages as it's changing yeah. texturally. So we just wander into the kitchen and go, oh, oh this it's is fantastic. Just, oh, oh, it's what was Darren's, what was the ice cream he loved was it what was the flavor yeah he wanted he wanted us to have a crack at um the cereal milk ice cream from momofuku oh, which wow. i made one day i didn't tell tegan i was doing it i went and got gelatin because you don't actually That's use right. eggs it's yeah, a very odd yeah, recipe yeah, yeah. yeah and i made i made that i made a lot of that like a big batch and we have this enormous dinner party coming up with Darren Purchase, who's, you know, he's done the most dessert challenges. Oh, wow. Master Chef, he's, he's a chocolatier, he's an incredible dessert guy. And he... Yeah, I like that, oh, wow, like, why would you do that? <laughs> <What>? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so which... Yeah, no, precisely. Hey, Paul, that's, that's ballsy. Yeah, it's not ballsy, <laughs> it's stupid. So... I guess what we're trying to do is find something we can make in the kitchen, uh, you know, dessert-wise, that is different enough from what he makes that he doesn't feel like he's eating, you know, he's mm. back at work, but also kind of wows him. And I'm thinking it might be a variant on the cereal milk. That's ice. really cool. That's really cool. I think where you're coming from has such validity, Tanya, and just that, because I'm very much with you. I think sometimes it's those simple things yeah. done very well. And, I mean, really, I, I, if I'm right, this is the whole essence of yes. Italian cooking, as you said. Yes. It's that peasant, meal, peasant food That's and all that it. sort of stuff. We went to this Michelin star restaurant over in the UK, Paul, and came out giggling because the thing we liked best was the bread. That <laughs> Isn't made. that interesting? <laughs> you know, keep, keep and I think in yeah. these times, boy, do we need to keep things simple. I mean, it's and I want that reflected mm. in my food. But I've got to tell you guys, you know how you're feeling like you need to impress this MasterChef expert? It's interesting, like, mm-hmm. I feel I just sort of had a bit of deja vu, like when people try to impress me, like with their voice or something. But I'm always impressed at, like, not that I do karaoke every week, but if I ever do karaoke with people who are just gutsy and ballsy and they try something new, like singing-wise, and they're not in tune because that's – that's what I already do. Like you're not you're not trying to be right. professional, but if you bring the cereal flavor, th- sort of oddball thing to the table, that's interesting. Even if you don't nail it. <laughs> well, now you frighten me because now I know, now I know you're roaming karaoke rooms, just kind of judging people. Oh my god, I haven't even put that together. Imagine if you looked out from the stage, you would die. So Tanya Doko just shaking her head and leaving. You know, like putting a big cross on a clipboard that no, is completely blank. But I my find own. myself super bored, like by myself at karaoke because the whole thing about karaoke right. is being a dickhead. What are you going to do? Like, I mean, if yeah, you want to yeah. go and see a concert, you'll pay good money for that. You don't go to a karaoke session to hear someone sing it really what in tune. <laughs> you, ever see, you ever sing your own stuff? You ever get up and... No, just... but I've seen a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people in the Philippines do buses and trains because we we had quite a, <sighs> we have quite a following in the Philippines. So there's a lot of YouTube <laughs> sort of karaoke sessions of buses and trains from Filipino people. I This is not meant to come across in any way like you, you shouldn't, but why do you have so many fans in the Philippines? I, I don't know. I think... <laughs> they just love they just love public transport and commuting. They love it. It's interesting. I mean, I think they're, they're really into their pop. Like Sweden and, and the Philippines were our two biggest um, territories outside of Australia. Go figure. And so I just thought I'd go to the coldest one, you know. <laughs> and did you meet your husband when you moved across there 
to work or did you meet him and then move No, I did. I actually moved there. I was about to receive my visa to fully, you know, dive in and and, and relocate and he sort Mm. of came along towards the end and I sort of, I guess you could say he sealed the deal. You know, I was sort of was, I was never leaving after that and um, I did have to come back and do some shows and sort of gather all my things and that was about, there was four months in between. So I didn't know when I actually relocated if we were going to go the distance, but thankfully we did. And, look, I don't think I would have, it's hard to know, I don't think I would have stayed in Sweden if I hadn't have met Daniel. I mean, I probably would have done a two-year stint and maybe I would have tried London. But, I mean, I was was also 38, 39 and (laughs) childless, single. So it was sort of, I don't know, Sweden felt so like a second home pretty quickly and there's some sort of strange connection between Aussies and Swedes. I think my theory is that we're both on, you know, opposite corners of the world and we're quite international but isolated and and I think we're very good at um, being accommodating and welcoming and the Swedes and Aussies are very similar like that. Uh, I mean, we're a lot... I think we're generally more easygoing, but <laughs> us Aussies. But I, but at the same time, Daniel was very um, open to travel and relocation, and that helped. And you know, he was also open to baby making, and that was good because you know, I was nearly forty. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of similarity and just common ground, even though we were from opposite ends of the world, and it just. I think as much as there were cultural differences, we were, he was up for the adventure of, oh, wow, Australia, that's interesting, you know, and, it, and eventually mm. we did relocate, but that was, you know, that was eight years later, so. Well, speaking of those cultural differences, as you said, you've got this Albanian-Italian background, mm. um, but you, you, you know, grew up in Australia and then moving now to Sweden, how did you find the food scene in Sweden? Did you fall in love with it? Was it not what you'd hoped for? Oh, what a question. Well, I did like some of it, but my taste buds were more, you know, inclined. <laughs> it's like Italian, Italian inclined. Like there, I wasn't a big fan of salmon before I'd moved there, but then I kind of kind of had to be you know and then every Christmas and Easter and they have their traditional you know that the Swedish meatballs and then the, the silt which is like pickled sort of fish and and there are things that I just taste but not really you know embrace if you like um and yeah we ate a lot of sausage and <laughs> potatoes it's potato country but again wow. Daniel's quite a foodie so he loved you know, he's even more of a foodie than me. So he loved, you know, diving into Italian recipes and and chili and garlic. And so, I mean, you know, let's face it, we're all citizens of the world, aren't we? These days we're kind of – and, and yeah. I have to say being in Europe meant that we could visit Italy, the drop of a hat, I would have loved to have gone more, Greece. And, you know, Swedish supermarkets are outstanding – because they are in Europe yeah. and you get Italian produce. I mean, we get all that here and we're very spoiled in Melbourne too, but you can't beat just being next door to Italy. It's just a stone's throw in a sense. So, yeah, so we, oh, as much as I ate Italian food, I, oh, you know, I just, I, we, we would just cook what we felt like, whatever cuisine 
we felt like. And in the end, if you're with a partner who's open-minded and then you just kind of, you just cook what you feel like. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I have a really stupid question. So, you know, there's a um, restaurant in America that does not exist in Australia. It's called Outback oh. Steakhouse. It is another country's interpretation of of our culture and it's a culinary nightmare. There's one in Paris. It's got a big crocodile along the front of it. I think it's called just Pub Australia or something okay. like that. Yeah, so I'm curious as is is that what IKEA is like where there's actually no IKEAs in Sweden? Are they IKEAs everywhere? And also, because my yeah. go-to in an IKEA is going straight. Well, before I, you know, stopped eating uh, certain kinds of meat, was going straight to those nightmare hot dogs yeah. that you get for like a dollar fifty. Paul, it is a thing in Sweden. It, it, you, you're right, um, <laughs> but it's a good question because, yeah, it, it's almost like I know a lot of Swedes who kind of hate the place too. It's like it's funny things like, right. like with ABBA. You know, we've almost we've almost embraced ABBA more than they have. It's like there's cold, right. like a cultural cringe or, I mean, they don't want to just be known as Ikea and ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> I've just done, I've just dedicated three minutes to talking about but it. But you know what? They kind of are. That's they're such big brands. I mean, they're massive, but so smart. Like the reach of ABBA, the reach of Ikea, it's for a small country, it's extraordinary. So, and yes, I blame those hot dogs because that's kind of like, you know how in in Australia we have sushi like we can just buy sushi anywhere they don't really do that they do hot dogs and you know how you could just buy a, a bucket of chips somewhere they don't do that they don't have Balmeries yeah. where you can buy hover but you can buy a hot dog in a 7-eleven you know on the grill and the grill up oh. thing you know so that's their sort of takeaway like bucket of chips thing like sometimes i just wanted a dim sim no, you can't find a dim sim. Um, a su- sushi roll, you know, just kind of, you know, when you're on the go, you just need to eat something fast. There's there's like three places in yeah. the centre of Stockholm where you can have some fresh sushi. I mean, you can get sushi, but you kind of have to sit down and do the whole experience. I don't know. It's a weird – they don't mm. do takeaway like we do, but Melbourne is – I mean, come on. I would always brag about Melbourne to Stockholmers. And you've got to remember, too, Stockholm is about, like, the size of Perth compared to Melbourne. Is it really? I didn't know this. Yeah, it feels big, but it's, it beats, like, a bit of a small city. I mean, it's European, but once you start digging, and, you know, in, in cosmopolitan, but once you start digging and you've sort of done the rounds, it feels a bit small. Now, it's beautiful. Love it. We'll always wave the, the Swedish flag. I'm a, I'm a Swedish citizen, so I can't really take the piss too much but what I what I noticed after a while is that I was looking for Melbourne like I was looking for our diversity food wise culturally art wise I was looking for graffiti couldn't find it I was looking for yeah. I could have done some done I could have done messing shit up <laughs> I was looking I was looking for the grave street you know but like and then of course I come back to Melbourne and we're locked down so I can't go to the grave street <laughs> oh. it is lovely though hearing 
hearing some mm. nice things about Melbourne because mm. since COVID, um, it felt it feels like the city has. I think Melbourne yeah. is sick. Like it's it's yeah. financially strapped. There are restaurants closing down and they're being strangled. Yes, I think you're right. I think we're in recovery and we will be for a long time. And like, if, but if you think of yeah. us, all, all of us six months ago, we've come a long way. Like, I feel like people are breathing again, and it's. But you can't expect. No one can expect us to just recover overnight. And and so it, I, the irony was that I kept bragging to my husband, "Oh, see this service we're getting here over here in Stockholm." Because see, the one thing you got to understand about the Swedish way, it's not their fault, but nobody, they don't really do waiters like we do because. In Sweden, it's all about you're not served upon. You have to go and put your tray back where you got it and you go to the counter and order your coffee. They very rarely have waiters in cafes. You've got to serve yourself. Nobody's beneath anyone else. I think that's the best way to think about it. Mm. So I miss that service mentality that we have in Melbourne. You know, you get a coffee, how are you going? Great. And you're like, wow, the liveliness of Melbourne service yeah. and a great coffee and our, our range of sweets and, and diverse cultures. I mean, you get a Mexican making Mexican food, a Greek, an Italian, Afghanistan. You know, we've got it all here. We're a melting pot. And in Stockholm, even though it's Europe, it's – I missed the – like I expected Melbourne when it's Perth, okay? And then I came yeah. back here yeah. literally yeah. January last year in quarantine and wanted to start feeling that. Mind you, mind you, just a caveat is we didn't choose to move then. My husband got his partner visa literally when COVID broke in 2020. So we had so we had one year to move and we couldn't move that entry date. We had to move within a 12 months, which which put us in Melbourne in January 2021. Oh, God. Oh, guys, you don't even understand. It was... <laughs> And it was just layer upon layer of shit show last year. Point is that it's interesting the contrast between Stockholm and Melbourne was so um, was so huge. One thing I, I I have noticed, and you know, Paul and I have been stalking you, not in a weird Cute. way, for the past little while. And oh, there was that there was that time behind like that kind of fence where we were. <laughs> behind the fence, but you know. You called the cops and we haven't come close to you since. So I don't it's know not the it's not stalking if you can acknowledge it, Paul. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you are you are so busy. You are you are still so 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 busy. And we've we've been really lucky in the past little while, and that we've spoken with Darren, who's just brought out new music yeah. and has launched his new tour for next year. We spoke yeah. with Ella Hooper, and she's yeah. outrageously busy as well. And all of these artists that we're talking to, who despite the pandemic have still managed to claw through and keep their career going. I mean, well, thank that's you. Look, impressive. Look, I'm. We're all the same, aren't we? We're creatives and I can, I feel so, it's so nice to be able to speak openly about, um, like I said, the whinge fest and, and, I, and I take the piss out of it. But in a way, I I want to laugh about it because it's, yeah, we have all been through these these this weird time and we've all got a story of how we managed or didn't manage through and, and I think... Um, I was quite, you know, I zipped it last year and didn't really talk to many people about it, just got on with it, got on with it as we all did. But now that we are in recovery, I think it's important to share and have a giggle with good folks like yourself because that is 
the therapy. To me, that's the cheap therapy. I'm getting cheap therapy from you guys by going, yeah, I went through all this stuff. Guess what? I put it into a record. Surprise, surprise. I made an EP late last year and I talked and I, and I, and I wrote a song called Where Do We Go Now? Like it's about Daniel and I going, okay, yeah. what now? We're in Melbourne, but are we going to stay in Melbourne? Are we going to move up north? Maybe not. Maybe we won't move right on a river because look what might happen. We might get flooded. But anyway, all this stuff, we're so fortunate, and I don't mean to say, sound sort of humbly sort of positive about that, but I just mean we're so fortunate that we have as creatives a vessel, like something to talk about and, and really get it out and people that are bothering to listen to this right now and go, oh, yeah, that, you know, like, I mean, imagine if you were just like my dad when he left his country, Albania, and he escaped. He didn't know where to put that. Like what did he do with all that mm. trauma? It just we're so fortunate that we can talk about it and we're still here. And I just feel so many people with their mental health issues, they they they're not connected to their self expression and and I feel that I feel so moved by that. And I, I'm very passionate about people feeling expressed, you know. If that means I've got to take the piss out of myself mm. and tell them that I was struggling too. Um, and I don't have it all together, I don't, and I was climbing the walls and in the fetal position a few times last year, then that's so be it, you know, <laughs> because I think there's this yeah. new sort of thing yeah. now, I like from Brene Brown, she talks about courage and vulnerability. Like there's not like being courage, like being strong. No, the courage is just being saying, yeah, you know what, that was shit. End of. That was a shit time. What are we going to do now? You know, what have we learned? How can we just be there for each other? And maybe this is the therapy, just talking about it and having a laugh and and doing our best to move forward. I agree. I think it is such an important time for people to be talking about what's going on because I do worry, and I've I've used this analogy before, but whenever I did Mm. comedy festivals, you'd see Mm. everybody would get through the festival and it was the second they're allowed to rest on the other side that they got really sick. Physically sick, Because once you think everything's good, that's when the Mm. tension releases. And I'm worried that 2021 on a mental health level is going to be that way for a lot of people. People have been holding on trying to stay above yes. it and this yes. is when we'll express but but one thing I do want to say is that this I, I feel that for you this habit of being really open and sharing in order to help other people I don't think this is new for you because the very first time I saw you many 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 years oh. ago I was in high school and you were I believe you're at the um I think it might have been mm. one of the exhibition buildings in Melbourne. And it was this, I had been invited to this talkie, this this kind of speech mm. day because it was a young leaders initiative. And I believe it was you, the <laughs> one person that I clearly remember. But I think Lauren oh. Jackson might have been speaking. There was a guy. But you spoke about um, the success of your mm. first album compared to your second. And you spoke about how you can look at these through different lenses and you can mm. look at the positives and you can look at the negatives. But even back then, you were just mm. being so open and really willing to share your life to make other people that at that point a room full of year seven and eight high school girls feel better and good and positive about themselves and I feel that this is something you know I've looked at all the people that you've mentored and you share so much. Tegan I'm I'm welling up a little bit here um (laughs) now that's that's lovely for you to acknowledge and (laughs) I think look it's just my way I can't I can't bullshit. It's just, I don't know. I just feel, I think it's the thing that drives me. And I think there's a time and a place. I mean, you're not going to 
you, you know, you're not going to share. I just, I look, I've failed as many times as I've succeeded, many more, I would say. It's just what drives us. I think it's just, we've never had, the pandemic shone a light on, on mental health issues. They, they were always there for people. It's not like all of a sudden we have this thing called mental health. Feeling so disconnected from ourselves and each other means... Oh my goodness, I'd never think, I think the good news is that we're taking better care of each other. I feel like, you know, it's just so great to have these open conversations. The driving force for me is, even if I write a song that, you know, is forgettable, did I make you feel good? Did you want to dance to it? Did it, did this make you think? Did it save you for four minutes? Did it? That's always been the driving, even when the Swede says, ah, it doesn't matter about the lyric, just look, whatever. No, it has to have some meaning, even if it's like, it's just going to have some juice, you know what I mean? It's I've always been fighting for that. And yeah, I think that's just how I was made. I can't take any credit. I just, I've always been looking for the juice. And it doesn't mean everything has to be serious. But no, I love electronic fodder as well. Um, and I've, God knows I've released some of it, but uh, I'm always looking for, <laughs> I'm just looking for the for the meat and potatoes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I, I keep thinking about your dad. <laughs> let, me, let me rephrase that. Um, you, said, <laughs> no. you said that your dad didn't have a creative outlet, and I know a lot of people who are going through the same stuff. We're going through the, you know, the careers have been weird, yeah. mental health is kind of spiralling a bit because of COVID. And at first I thought, okay, they don't have a creative yeah. outlet. Where are they putting that energy? And then I realised that one thing, a lot of people, creatives and non-creatives can do is get in the kitchen mm. and make things in the kitchen, right? Like you can have the least creative person in the world, no artistic bones in their bodies, mm. can whip up something incredible and just put their love and their time and their effort into it. Did you kind of use the kitchen as like the same way we did, as a means of therapy, but also as a way of kind of exercising those creative demons during lockdown? I wasn't one of those mums who, you know, needed to nail sourdough. And, and I, no, I mean, if I was a good <laughs> Swedish wife, I would be baking, you know, every day. But, no, we did use... Again, that ice cream machine got pumped, like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> and we did do some, lots of different things with Leo. Um, well, not just the pandemic, but, you know, Christmas time we make pepper corka, which is gingerbread and, you know, from scratch and do the shapes. And, and Daniel's great like that. He's I've got to acknowledge the Swedes for their different, you know, different um, milestones during the year. Like Easter they do this and Christmas time they do that and midsummer they do this and, there's all these little rituals they do with their kids. It's really great. As far as the kitchen goes, yeah, look, it's definitely meditational for me. I mean, sometimes it's a pain in the ass thinking, okay, what am I going to cook tonight? But it is such a time for me to put on my AirPods and listen to, a, you know, like you guys or whatever, like just just to clock off from the world and make something and get lost in it. And I think, yeah, I, there's nothing more loving than, than making a meal for your family and being responsible for that every single day it's really challenging <laughs> don't you you know what i mean like every single <laughs> night i'm gonna think of what are the swedes gonna eat tonight you know it's my it's kind of my job yeah <laughs> i mean look yeah it's not like you have to write a new song every no. day otherwise you, you, your family will go hungry it's... but no we were just having a discussion it's not dinners that are killing us at the moment it's <sighs> lunch every time lunch oh. swings around i'm like oh god not again yeah it's an interesting stupid middle meal the middle meal but you know what guys do you do uh, do you make a lot more for dinner so you've got you know, the leftovers for lunch. Yeah, well, we need to do a little bit more of that because mm. 
Yeah. The, and all what we're doing is I'm eating then too much for lunch and then uh, I go, well, I, mean, I don't really need a big dinner. But then if you say that, then there's nothing to look forward to for the rest of the day. Wrong. There's dessert. There's an amazing uh, Italian ice cream yeah. around the corner from us and we'll just go, you know what, just a light supper. Is ice cream food? But you know what? If you make a great spat, spaghetti bolognese like a bolognese sauce and that's where i hide mm. all the vegetables for my son because he won't eat a cooked vegetable to save himself you know zucchini carrot celery and then okay so obviously you you sort of boil some pasta and it's it's a you know standard spag bog but then you can use the sauce if you make a whole lot of it in a lasagna and then if there's even leftover sauce you could sort of turn it into some tacos oh so yeah. you got three different that's what we do because Leo won't have sandwich. He hates sandwich. You know what he eats every day? Peanut butter. Like. Oh, that's Paul. Oh. That's what you do, Paul. I love every, peanut butter He's so going to be much. a peanut. Like, it's pretty soon. So sometimes when we've got this mince left over, I'll kind of do a taco vibe for his lunch. And I'm always thinking, what am I going to feed this child? So, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> it's the... Tegan's thinking that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to feed my Paul? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do. We need to lean into the. Uh, we need to lean into leftovers. Yeah. More. I mean, Maxi Shield, one of our favourite Australian drag queens. In fact, she might be our favourite Australian oh. drag queen. Her desert island dish last year was leftover bolognese sauce. There you uh, go. Jaffles, like so. You oh. just put them in. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Smush them into a sandwich. Yes. And that's, you know, we tried them. They were great. I need to do this more. Yeah. Okay, you can also turn. Okay, yeah, like a jaffle or just like a. I don't know. In Sweden, they had these sort of little pizza bases, but not big pizza. Like it's literally like sandwich size. And that would be like little pizzas. You put the mince on top and then put, I don't know, something else, like some rocket and, and some fresh like Roma tomatoes, and then you've got a pizza. Oh, yeah. See, now I'm worried because <laughs> you mentioned at the start of the episode, you mentioned that you just want to make the music, all right? You don't want to dick around with any of the kind of personal shopping. You don't want someone to do that for you. I sometimes just want people to bring me food. <laughs> yeah, Paul, Paul, I'm going to remind you we're on a food podcast. We're meant to be talking about our love of food, <laughs> Paul. Don't be fooled. That, that's exactly what I want to. I want people to feed me. When I moved back to Melbourne right. and we moved in with mum temporarily while we found our feet, oh, that was the best thing about me- moving in with mum. Like she's, she was a cooking teacher. Extraordinary. Right. So, no, I get it. I get this food thing. But the other thing you could do is each night have a theme. Like, okay, tonight's Greek, tomorrow night's Mexican. Like Monday night's Greek, Tuesday night's Mexican, Wednesday night's miscellaneous, vegetarian, whatever. I got that trick from Justin Coulston who's a – you know, he's a child specialist and because he's got six kids. Can you imagine? Like what are they going to cook? Like, what you know, that's a big deal that like, everyone likes. So they keep it in themes. Monday night's this night, Tuesday night. So then maybe that's that kind of filter or like make the decisions less complicated. Yeah, just don't let your son pick themes because <laughs> then Friday night's going to be peanut butter night and you're screwed. Well, look, I know we have to wrap up and let you go very soon. We already know your Desert Island dish, which is a classic vanilla ice cream. I had an idea on this front, mm. by the way. Now, typically speaking, it's one person who comes. But if you, if it's your husband's pistachio yeah. ice cream and he's the only one who can make it, then he has to yeah, come. Yeah, he does, actually. And, unless, you, unless you want some alone time. Um, most definitely. Um, I'll always get the, you know, go for the alone time. Well, yeah. He is actually the ice cream expert. I, that's his department. And he also makes the bread um, and the Swedish pancakes. So, yeah, uh, 
well, look, you know what I'll do? I'll make sure I get I'll get some tuition this weekend and then you can dump me on a desert island. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul, Paul, have oh. you ever tried banana on your peanut butter? On your on your, uh, on your peanut butter. N- n- <laughs> well, that's a personal question. You ever tried... <laughs> Have I ever tried banana on my peanut? No, but I think I. <laughs> oh anyway, that's God. the Swedish go-to as well. Daniel and Leo, if they could just eat peanut butter and banana and the desert island, they'd be happy. All right, I'll give it a shot. But look, okay, so you're bringing ice cream to a desert island. It's very hot. It's milk now. Congratulations. <laughs> you ruined Christmas. But thank you so much for joining us on this, frankly, very loose episode of Dish Island. You're an absolute goddamn delight. And uh, please come come back anytime. Like I said, cheap therapy, guys. It was fantastic. Thank you for... I've got to go and record some vocals now with a slight cold. But I'm not going to be, I don't worry, I don't have COVID. But now I'm happy, I'm in the mood, so thank you for that. Well, there goes one of my new favourite people. But Tegan, at the start of the show, you mentioned the fact that Tanya was a huge part of your upbringing and like, you know, your childhood, your formative years, right? So next week's guest on Dish Island is, I think, the same for me. So this guest is, I cannot describe how big a get this is. And also... The fact that I interviewed him for a different thing and then was given permission to put the interview on Dish Island. So technically, he doesn't even know he's on Dish Island. And, and that's a really important note for anybody who noticed that one of our other episodes secretly went missing because we didn't seek permission first, but this time we have. That's right. We went through the proper channels and as a result, next week's guest is an absolute cracker. If you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you will know this guy. Can you give them... I mean, if we say the film, it's... Okay, you know what? No, I I got it. I got the perfect clue. Dr. Jones, no more parachutes. (gasps) Oh, God, even hearing you say that, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Anyway, it's going to be an absolutely bizarre episode because he's got a new film out. That's another clue. And I've seen it, and it's absolutely amazing. So next week's episode of Dish Island is going to be incredible. So make sure you tune in. But for now, can we go have dinner, please? Yep, done. Eat your veggies, friends. Eat your veggies. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dish Island. Dish Island is a proud member of the ACAST Creator Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.